time on the Amps University Patreon, talking the Fast and Furious movies. You know me. It's Jake Christie, joined as always by Anthony Canton III. Anthony, how you doing? I'm good. It's kind of wild that we're almost done with this. It is. It's thing is, it's both wild and also, you know, that we're, it's, it feels like we, it, we just started and also like we've been doing this forever, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, because yeah. Um, yeah, we, we'll, we'll, because of like, you know, your paternity leave, we will have been recovering these movies for over a year when it's all said and done. Oh my gosh, um, that's incredible. Yeah. And so, yeah, we should, I mean, we really haven't taken a quarter minute at a time. And if you're listening to this on our main feed, because we have a little Patreon preview, maybe the first 20, 30 minutes, still haven't decided of this. If you want to hear all of it and you want to hear us talk about the first nine movies in the franchise, that's one through eight and Hobbs and Shaw, please go to the MC University Patreon. It's going to be in the description, but it is patreon.com slash pod. For just $3 a month, you get into our Discord and you get all of our bonus episodes ever. That's, once again, $3 a month. You get every bonus episode we've ever produced. We've been doing two a month since we started back in May 2021. And if you want to support us even more, $8, you get some more perks, including being a guest on our monthly subscriber mailbag, which is always a great time. So yeah, we just wanted to, for the end of the year, we want to give you a little preview of what's going on behind the wall. I said three months, sorry, $3 a month for two things a month and our entire back catalog. And once we're done with the Fast and Furious franchise, we're going to put it up to the to our listeners of what franchise we cover next. So if you want to be involved in that decision, please sign up. But we're here to talk about F9, a movie that is very special to me. I've told this anecdote before on the pod that, uh, and I'll let you talk about it. But so I saw the day I saw F9 was that morning. I got an endoscopy because I was having some acid reflux issues. And uh, that endoscopy later resulted in me getting diagnosed with celiac disease, which is in all honesty, probably the worst thing that's ever happened to me personally in my life. And I say that because despite having that association where you'd be like, man, you can't evaluate this movie fairly. This horrible thing kind of happened to you on that day. You know what my opinion on this movie is? I loved it the moment I saw it. I have no ill will towards it. Uh, you know, I could separate those events. AC, how do you feel about this movie? How did you feel when you first saw it? How about now? Well, I mean, when I first saw it, it there's a lot of funny, there's a lot of funny stuff in it that we'll get to. But I think, you know, coming off of eight, I feel like it was such a step up. Uh and for whatever reason, it felt tighter. Like there was something about it that when everything just kind of snaps and just goes and there isn't any, there isn't any of the feelings of eight where like we talked about in, in um, Furious, a fate of the furious that it was very artificial. This was yeah. actually the opposite. I feel like they pumped a lot of it with with yeah. emotional steroids uh, of of the whole family thing, with a lot of the reunions and mm-hmm. and brotherly love and brotherly mm-hmm. rivalries and stuff like that. So I thought it was really cool. And again, it's just you get reminded of little things like the like the mini chemistry between mm-hmm. Helen Mirren and Vin Diesel. It's my, big, it's my biggest note. It is the best chemistry in the entire franchise. And I say that one, but say that they, some of the romantic chemistry in the franchise is great. But also, I don't know what it is. But both Helen Mirren, I feel like, could have chemistry with, you know, a fight tree. So, like, that's, she can do whatever. But Vin is, like, really into it in a way that I respect. Because he's like, no, this is a beautiful woman. You know, she's been beautiful my whole life. I gotta bring it. And sometimes I wish he'd bring that to other scenes, but I'm glad he's doing it there. But no, I think you're 100% right. And I think a lot of times, 
it's easy to ask if a director is not the person who always writes the script and isn't acting mm-hmm. in it, what does a director do? I think that comparing this to eight, although there obviously are writing differences, so much of it, it's like, what does the director do? It's like the difference between these two movies. Like, it just, I, I think that, I think, I really want to blame F. Gary Gray for eight because he clearly got like pushed around by the studio and Vin Diesel. But clearly, Justin Lin had his hands on the wheel, racing metaphor on purpose. Um, and like, took everything super seriously because i think we talk about um and i want to know what your opinion on this was as a wrestling fan how did you feel when it was first announced that uh john cena was going to be joining the franchise as uh dominic toretto's brother i was excited because i knew that it was going to get physical between them especially Mm -hmm. after seeing the trailer so um you know cena had done a couple of more comedic things so far uh well at least as of recently as of then but then to see him kind of step into this was intriguing. So especially you see the trailer with them going back and forth. And the thing about Cena that's different from his counterpart, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, is that Cena can play stuff with a certain vulnerability that mm-hmm. you don't get from from The Rock. And I was about to say, it is a, it's an incredible difference mm-hmm. between Furious 8 and Furious 9 and kind of just going away from the rock, and yeah. even to a lesser, a much lesser degree, the Statham stuff. Yeah, the rock Statham stuff is out of there, and I just felt like the movie felt like it it popped more because mm-hmm. of it. You're not, you're not stuck in the in the tough guy talk throughout it. Yeah, it it really was striking how much of the dialogue between the hero and the villain in this is not dumb. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like. Cena actually, I, I, I on the, my rewatch, I was really impressed by his performance because I think the thing that, the thing that makes John Cena a unique for wrestlers turned actors, is that he's not just willing to be the butt of the joke because occasionally like The Rock will like let himself kind of be the butt of the joke in a playful way, but like in this movie he is like son, like he is, a, like the loser, like not obviously he's not he's still tough and cool and all that, but mm-hmm. his arc in the movie is accepting that he's in his brother's shadow and that like. And the way that he plays, he's willing to play scenes where you can imagine The Rock trying to be cool, where you can tell in all of these scenes that Jacob has, like, bottled rage, and that at all, like, The Rock just kind of just says his lines as if yada, yada, yada. But Cena honestly feels like he's playing these scenes, as I think he should, that at all moments he's spending with Dom, all he wants to do is cry and give him a hug. And he's holding that back. And you can actually feel that in the movie, which is really impressive, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean... I think even just like something as small as when Han returns and mm-hmm. they have that like really good hug session mm-hmm. and stuff like that. They pan to Jacob and he has that like little wince on his face mm-hmm. and then he and then he turns the he closes the door. I was just like, oh, wow, that's like really like really yeah. just a small little touch, but just perfect. I remember when the movie was originally coming out, I saw like people were saying this doesn't make any sense. It all Dom cares about is family. How could he ever abandon someone who's literal family? And what I appreciate about this movie is that it doesn't just yada yada that. It's like, we agree. It would take a lot for Dom to abandon family. And so let's set up a situation where you would actually believe that he would do it. You know what I mean? It doesn't just, it's not a small thing. Like it is, he blames him for his father's death. Like it is a big fucking deal. Um, And yeah, uh, even though they look nothing alike, it it works for me. (laughs) That part. It's funny. I just got throughout the movie. I would just laugh at every flashback because it's just like, what's happening here? The father, I would say though, 
daddy, the Dom's dad and Dom as a youngin yeah. look like they're three years apart in age. Yeah. I will say one thing that I did really like, though, yeah. and I just want movies to get back to. But let's be honest, AC, even though it was a little silly that he doesn't look that much like Vin Diesel and he looks a little too old, wasn't it just nice to see like a real actor with that wasn't like CGI de-aged to look like shit and like move like, you know, and wasn't like super bulky and moved like he was 50. Wasn't it just nice to be like, yeah, movies were made like this for a hundred years. We accepted that if someone looked kind of like a guy and it was in the past, like that's the same character. We didn't yeah. need to fucking have dots on their face. And it just was so nice to see that. Honestly, it's not, it's not like the Monarch series where you could get both the Russells, the, the, the Russells to yeah. play, play the same character. Just yeah. And, 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 and the thing is like, even though you kind of laugh at it when you first see it, you get over it. Like, I think that that's the thing that really frustrates me with a lot of the de-aging stuff. Like, I can see it. I can see some situations where you want, if it's like a super iconic character, yada, yada. But like, you just accept it almost immediately. You're like, that doesn't look that much like Vin Diesel. But then two minutes in, you're like, that's Dominic Toretto. Because the movie says it's Dominic Toretto and I'm watching the movie, you know? Yeah, you get lost in it overall. And I think more so than anything else, you're kind of, you gravitate to what the story is, if the mm -hmm. story is good. And in this case... As you said, it was a compelling reason for Dom to feel the way that he did. All right. And so we, the movie starts off, and you'll be like, oh, it starts off with, uh, you know, a race track. No, no, no. I'm starting before then. I can't emphasize how much I appreciate using the 80s and 90s Universal opening because it starts in 1989. That, for me, as a, as a movie dork, I mean, it's that and with an and credit. So the things that get me up in the morning. Um, and I remember when I was in theater and I saw the date and I saw where it was, I had like, my face got hot. I started to get like, oh no. Because I'm like, this is they're doing it. They're showing the inciting incident where, you know, we have, uh, you know, Mr. Toretto, I forget his first name, Dominic, Dom and uh, Jacob and Mia's dad racing. And great use of Michael Rooker, you know, paying homage. Yeah. Paying nice, homage yeah. to Days of Thunder, you know. I feel like they try to do that a lot whenever there's anyone with so any racing movie in the background, they try to bring him in. Um, and yeah, you know, there's some racing and uh, one thing leads to another. Jacob does something in the car, you know, he gets spun out and we see the thing that Dominic monologues about in the first movie of, I heard him screaming from the car. They said he was dead and it was me screaming. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I, I will say that was a, that was a, listen, man. Uh, the dude who played young Dom. Mm -hmm. Nah, I, I, I like the way he sold, he sold. Yeah. Him. That was a great sell. It was I, not. It was not. No problems with it whatsoever. I no, I. I think. I think, and people are gonna laugh at me. Yada yada. I think that the opening of this movie is legitimately emotional, and I have basically no notes. Like I think it is actually completely yeah, it's works. Really good. Like yeah, very good. If it was like a serious movie about like a kid who wanted to become a racer after his dad died, and this how it opened, you'd be like, yeah, I'm. I'm in. This is a normal movie. Um, and so we then see we cut to um, you know, uh, the bit with uh. We, I feel like they kind of there's kind of like a things out of order, but basically what we learn is that um, there's like a race uh, that Dom goes to prison after beating um, the man over the head. With right. The with this is intercut, but I'm not. It's hard to remember how this happens. Yeah, this is with where yeah that happens a little bit later because I think they yeah. initially they initially cut to uh, right, 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 Dom right. fixing something and then his yeah. son comes out All and right. then. And then he he has the whole gun situation. He gets the gun because they think somebody's coming and it's mm -hmm. Roman and Ted. So so. Yeah. A thing that I, I thought about waiting till Fast X, but I think we see to say it now. Do you remember what his kid looks like in Fast X? <sighs> oh, I mean, I, I, 
I just I the his kid in this movie looks like he could be my cousin, and his kid Fast X looks like he's your cousin. <laughs> Going on, I, I mean that the kid fast X is darker than Vin Diesel. You <laughs> just don't understand what that, and this is what I just I don't even know what to say because you see the kid, and I remember seeing it at the time uh, when I saw it the first time, and it's like, what's the re- like, what's the relate, what's the how? Like he has the curly hair. I just like. I mean, what? I'll say this. This, uh-huh. you think that this is weird. I think it's even worse in 10. Because in 10, he looks, this little Brian is the son of, I mean, we don't really know what Dominic Ferris is supposed to be, but Vin Diesel is half white, half black, and Elsa Pataki is white Spanish. And somehow, <laughs> he, I, I just don't get it. He looks like George Clarkson. I mean, like, what is going on? No, but my thing is like, yo, Dom's Dom's dad is straight up Latino. Like, I it just this is, it makes no sense at all. I, I love it though. I love it. It's it's you know it's like it's like back in the day when like you know when they would I mean not even back in the day like you know um Broadway and stuff will stage plays where they don't really worry about race. You know that's what they're doing. It's a Broadway show. So much for one race production. Oh, well, I mean that's exactly what it is. And so <laughs> it turns out it's just uh, Tej Roman and um. Ramsey and I want I figured you appreciated that Roman says that he didn't recognize him because he'd been tanning all week I figured that's a thing that you thought was funny <laughs> yes yeah, just Roman is Roman is great like I feel like there's a bounce back for Roman this this movie oh yeah I found I found the fact that he had a chance to just have an existential crisis mm-hmm. about about the entire franchise's run and asking legitimate questions, it almost felt like it was a wink to the audience mm-hmm. of of all the, the 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 nutty shit that these characters mm-hmm. have been through uh, throughout the entire time of the franchise. But yeah, this was a really good performance from Romans. Romans so um, we then get uh, we get we learn what they're there for is that Mister Nobody's plane went down, mm-hmm. and there's something that they need to collect. It's in a fictional country, which uh, the name I don't remember. Nice little uh, Kurt, Ma- Kurt, Kurt Russell cameo in this movie. Yeah, just he had two scenes, probably scenes. made $100 million. No. Um, <laughs> so they got to go to, it's called uh, Monte Quinto. And um, yeah, he uh, ends up, Don doesn't want to go. You know, there's a whole consternation about whether or not they're going to do this to protect little Brian, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but he ends up going. And so they go to Monte Quinto and there is, you know, the scene where they find it. It's some type of like half of an orb or whatever. It's I mean, the thing about the Fast and Furious is yeah. they every movie is just a MacGuffin, every single one. And I don't mind it, but it's, every movie is for sure. And and uh, it's it's funny like Roman has that little talk about existential crises, and then mm-hmm. you know he has that situation where he's getting shot at from all mm-hmm. angles with with, with no with no uh, mm-hmm. no way out, and he finds a way out. And it's just a it's just a lot that action sequence. The way mm-hmm. that it kind of just like rolls through mm-hmm. really gave the gave the movie a lot of momentum coming off of the emotional beginning and really made you feel like, oh, we're in it for like a real action thrill ride. The thing that this movie does so well is intercutting different pieces of action mm-hmm. and linking them together thematically and literally that like there's a, there's like three different scenes where there's multiple pieces of action going on that all end with the characters coming back together in like a in an important moment. And I really love the stuff with Roman. I think that, like, it is fun to have him, like, really treat that seriously and everyone's laughing at him. Um, and as it's going on, we get some 
they're being chased by like the government of Monte Quinto, which is why it has to be a fictional country because I assume that like Guatemala wouldn't have appreciated them saying that they blew up a bunch of their <laughs> army. Um, and uh, who shows up? Who's also after the same? Oh, Jacob is here. He's ready to go. He's after it. He's after it easy, and he means business. Mm. Yes. And um, who is he working for? I think it's revealed like at this moment, right? Wait a minute. Is it because it's what? It doesn't actually matter. Name? It doesn't matter. Her name's Cipher. I don't yeah, know why Cypher. I'm doing this. Like where we're having fun. Who cares? Yeah, I was forgetting. Forget because I ha- I'm looking at my notes. I have the note that Charlize is dedicated to not having a good haircut in this franchise. <laughs> Well, at least it's better than the last one. I mean, true. Yeah, but uh, you can't write <laughs> a think I... piece about this one. No, no, you definitely can't. <laughs> but the thing I noticed about this, too, is, like, there's just a lot of wide shots. And, like, while obviously a lot of the stuff is CGI, you can tell that at some point they drove these actual vehicles in a in oh, a for jungle. sure. And yeah. with the last one, I don't think they spent one day on an actual sheet of ice. You know what I mean? Like... This just feels so much more real, and in where it counts, because you, I feel like people people don't realize is, if you intercut ten seconds of real footage, with in between like thirty five seconds of CGI, it does it makes it so much better. Like I I think if you go one hundred percent CGI, it just completely takes you out of it. I I don't know I can't explain why, because even if the CGI looks great, it's like I still want to feel that they actually went to a country and did this. Yeah, yeah, I think you know. Again, it speaks to the the point that I made about F eight as far mm-hmm. as like the artificial part of it and this feeling just like a more well put together, uh, just well sequenced, well shot, um, acting pretty damn good. It's just like I feel like this movie coalesces in a way that honestly I haven't felt about the franchise since five. Like yeah. I feel like. Fast Five is is my personal favorite out of all of them now, just like Correct. going after. And um, this one, like, is right there. Yeah. I would say that, I would say this and Seven are probably tied for number two for me. But yeah. Um, it's yeah, just I would say Seven is third for me, yeah. Um, and so they end up, there's the scene that was, I remember it was in the trailer where they have to get across, like, a gorge by, like, oh, yeah. I don't even know how to describe it, using, like, half, like, the one of the ropes of a rope bridge to swing around. It's awesome. Um, and, yeah, and then we meet, because they bring out all the stops in this, we get the goat, Shea Wiggum, who I think, you know him. He's one of the best character actors. Um, oh, Mission Impossible, de- he lo- Dead Reckoning Part 1. Oh, man, he's And so let's not forget, he's he had, you know, a great summer, because he's in Dead Reckoning Part 1, and he's in uh, Across the Spider-Verse. That's right. I mean, between all of that and what was it? Was it was it a F four that he was? Yeah, in he's in F four. That's yeah. F four. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, uh, but he does the thing in this scene where he dissolves an antacid in an energy drink, which is insane behavior. <laughs> he's, what the hell? What are you doing? <laughs> anyway, but yeah. So um, you know, there's. Then this is where we get the scene where Dom confronts the guy who uh, accidentally killed um, his father. And so, what what did you make of this? Because this is a scene that they obviously mention where he, I mean, in the first one, he says, when Dom's still a villain, basically says, I beat him so hard, he has to take the bus to work. <laughs> that, 
that voice that you just did was just was just magnifique. I I did I honestly was it offensive? I I don't know. No, it was no. I didn't find it offensive. I just found it funny. Oh. <laughs> okay, good. Just want to make sure I never want to cross the line there. You're good. You're good. Um, listen, I think I what I feel like uh, Dom with throughout this movie and kind of his uh, his his emotions towards the whole thing. And it's kind of you see it off the bat because I mean we haven't gone through that part yet, but you go through the through the flashback where you know he gets out of jail mm-hmm. and he he's and Jacob's like racing around like everything is cool like shit is sweet and then he's like he challenges him he says if I win that if I win uh you go away forever mm-hmm. and and stuff like that which is like a classic yeah. uh, classic movie thing. And then that happens, and it's just like Jacob has this really sad, young Jacob yeah. has this really sad look on his face or whatever. Yeah. And translating that to now, mm-hmm. and Dom dealing with those uh, emotions. And, and again, like credit to credit to Vin. Uh, Vin was, yeah. was, was doing some work in this. I also do want to say, I want to add, because I had a thought about the specific scene with the wrench. Because what it reminded me of, because I, I mean, because I actually grew up, before I even moved to Florida, my dad's extended family is really into NASCAR. Like I, I grew up around NASCAR, mm. which is it's weird because we're from sense. Rockland County. Like it's not like mm. a big NASCAR country. And my dad and his whole family were all huge Dale Earnhardt Senior fans. And he obviously died. I don't know if you know, but famously died at Daytona in two thousand one. Oh yes, yes, yes. Probably the most famous driver to die in recent memory. And his son Dale Earnhardt Junior. Um, was also in that same race. And I remember like the guy who actually. Ended up hating Dale Earnhardt Sr. Was this guy Sterling Marlin. And I remember he like was really fucked up about it. And actually I confirmed because I know that he, Dale Jr. was always publicly very, um, you know, supportive of him. And like, no, don't believe me. This is just a regular racing. It was a freak accident. And like, I even just saw like, because I remember I saw his Mike Newsbeat a little bit. Like, listen, you had him on his podcast and they talked like for an hour about that. And I uh, put that against beating the guy to the wrench. <laughs> No, obviously Sterling Marlin was torn up about it and wasn't like your da- your your dad was a piece of shit, but still, like Oh god. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I think that the, the race is really cool. I think that young Jacob plays that well. And yeah, you know, it's uh, sad stuff. Um I, I in my notes I said real Marcus Vick vibes from Jacob. Um <laughs> That's a good that's a good shout. I shouts to Marcus Vick. He's one of I I've I'm so fascinated by his life. Remember when he put out a bounty on Riley Cooper when Riley Cooper was Michael Vick's teammate? Oh my god! <laughs> that you listen that that Vic that Vic time with the Eagles was a hell of a time. You had Chip Kelly and then the Riley Cooper situation. Mm-hmm. Crazy, yeah. It's just a whole lot of shit going on. Yes, and Marcus didn't help. No. At this point, not. I put in my notes, and I don't want to be crude, but Jesus, Natalie Emanuel is such a babe. Um, I mean, oh yeah, she yeah she killing it as always. Yeah. Uh, you know we've got got to give our props. And then this is where um, after they get to their you know uh, hideout that is like one of um, one of the, the Mister Nobody's old places. Uh, and um, Mia shows up, and um, they learn that Han was somehow involved. So we learn that uh letty and me are gonna go to japan and uh roman and tej are going to germany and who do they link back up with 
Oh, Roman. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna have to refer. They go to Germany Roman. and they meet with Twinkie. Uh, oh yes, yes, our, our our friends from Tokyo Drift. Yes, Sean Boswell, Twinkie, and Earl, who is not actually a uh, character in the original, I don't think, but he was. If I remember correctly, I think he was an actor that Justin Lin had worked with on Better Luck Tomorrow, who was supposed to be. He was he was supposed to play Twinkie, but the studio got scared about having two Asian in a movie and made them add another a non-Asian character as a best friend. I found him annoying. I found him annoying too. But I do also just want to note, think about, yeah. I do just want to say how crazy it is that they're making a movie about a white kid going to Japan and like, but his best friend can't be Japanese. I mean. <laughs> you gotta love movie studios. Yeah. But anyway, he was annoying, but I like that they bring him back. It's well, this- for sure. Yeah, it's a nice. It's, it kind of rounds back, like just the for anybody who's anybody who likes uh, symmetry and mm-hmm. and those things when it comes to their movies. Uh, hence uh, our um, MCU mm-hmm. pod mm-hmm. Uh, and and everything that's going on with that to kind of see those characters come back and play play a, a nice little role in here and, and helping uh, folks get into space. I think mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Hello, this is Jake from the future, letting you know that this is the end of the preview portion of this podcast. If you'd like to hear the rest of it, please sign up for a Patreon. That's at patreon.com slash Pod. For just $3, you can get all of our bonus episodes and access to the Discord. That's just $3 a month for all of our bonus episodes and access to the Discord.